I actually had had a feeling because it's the last last session and um, it's the last day. So let's uh, you know let's just do it uh, easy. Let's let's do it easy in an easy way. But God inspired me to God. Um, um, he revived my passion in me. And we don't do we we are not the ones who are making out of um, nowhere, but we haven't given everything from God already. So what we are doing, what our ministry is to recover what has been existing before but has been lost. And our church already had the authority to rule rule over the all creations, right? So recovering this authority is such an important issue to us. So whenever you pastors and pastor's wife return, return to your churches, uh, you must establish this authority once again. So let's continue from chap chapter 13, verse um, 2, I guess. So, so lastly, Paul is um, re-warning the false apostles, false teachers. And he's asking for the repentance from the Corinthian churches. But what's important here, what, what's important here is that he is continuing in this concept of this equation, this weakness is the victory. This same flow continues until the last chapter here. So he's emphasizing how important this is. So let's look at verse 3. Um, in verse 3, Paul said, since you are demanding proof that Christ is speaking through me. And through verse 3, Paul is saying, um, he's saying to the Corinthian churches, whether you will return to me and repent or you will be excommunicated. And I don't know how you guys understand this, this authority of excommunication in the church. And when we say the church has an authority of excommunication, then that means God cherishes the holiness in the church and God loves the church so much. And it might not make sense. But in our church, leaving a church member to to just die and, and thinking to myself that I can still accomplish something through that situation, then that's a complete mistake, misunderstanding. So Paul, Paul is saying here, uh, you must excommunicate them so that you will give them a chance to suffer in, in their flesh and have another opportunity to return back to God in repentance. And if they still stay in the church without repenting, they will be lost people inside the church. And if, if you have just one, that kind of person, even only one person in, in your church, how great loss would that person bring to your church? It's not a matter of the material or the offering that that person gives, but it's the matter of the losing the holiness within the church, the loss of holiness. Why? Because, because that limits the God's glory to move and circulate within the church. So in the perspective of holiness and in the perspective of eternity and God's church, you need to look to your ship in, in this way. You should not misunderstand that I myself can do something for those spirits. It just happens instantly. And instantly you should make a decision to excommunicate them. 
sometimes, um, as I said this morning, I waited more than 10 years, 15 years to, to let a church member to go out from the church. But when, when I felt, when I, when I was inspired by God for the thing to take, take place, take happen, then I just do it instantly. You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm saying once again, I, I didn't uh, do it so easily, in an easy way. It took me, and frankly speaking, there are one out of ten people who have gone out of the church that I have spoken myself to go out for, from the church. So this matter of excommunication is matter of love and holiness. So it's like a, a, a doctrine of its job for the pastor. I mean, why are you holding on to the spirit even though you cannot um, revive them, alive, uh, make them alive? So do not think that excommunication is unfair or make, make them hurt. This has been um, clearly mentioned in, in the Bible, in the Gospels, in the Old Testament, everywhere in the Bible. So it must be applied. So look, would a person who are living by the kingdom of God be afraid of excommunication? No, because you are living under the wickedness that, that you are afraid of that excommunication. Many of our church members who are living according to God's kingdom are not even considering this excommunication to themselves. So, so whenever our pastors... Uh, there are some of you who have met me for a short period of time, but, but what I want to emphasize to you is that you need to put your life to the church. In a single moment, there's not a single thing that you, can, you should do in a church that you will um, bring a loss to a holiness in the church. There's not a single thing that you should do that damages the holiness within the church. So everything must be done based on the holiness of the church. If you secure the holiness in the church, then that's everything. There's no need to do many things within the church. So everything comes out from the holiness. Love comes out from the holiness, everything. There's nothing more precious than that. So in that way, in that concept, what was the principle that Paul had, uh, what was Paul's um, claim to the Corinthian churches? In order to uh, reconcile with me, you need to repent before God and reconcile with God first. That was Paul's uh, focus. Then look, from verse 3, Since you are demanding proof that Christ is speaking through me, so these opposers, these false teachers, they are asking Paul to show the proof because they are doubting the, the apostleship of Paul. And what's the answer for that? Paul has mentioned it before. Um, so they, they, these false teachers, they, want, they are demanding these super spiritual um, uh, manifestations, these miracles. We have talked about this this morning, but the proof of the evidence of Messiah is not the power itself, the, not the miracle or the sign. Showing the signs and miracles are um, a, a good sign, good uh, tendency of this Hellenistic um, 
away. So we are not handling, we are not dealing with these, these things that are seen. We, are hand, we should deal with things that are unseen. So if you see something, if you touch something, if you want to prove something, that's a clear evidence that, that you are under a dangerous status. So even though we don't see something, we still believe, right? And when we say the authority of dominion, authority of rule, we don't see it, but we believe it, right? We are the ones who are dealing with those things that are unseen. We should believe this. So Paul here, here, these false teachers who were not, who were doubting about Paul's apostleship, um, it's clear um, evidence of their unbelief. So, so these opposers, the reason why they had to doubt Paul is not because Paul's um, truth was fake or, or, or not real, but because of their unbelief. He's not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you. Who is he, Paul here talking about? It's Messiah. Paul is saying Messiah is not weak in you. Of course, Messiah came on this earth uh, wearing this weak body of a human being, but well, what's being applied here, not his weak body, but instead his powerful uh, power of revival here. So, so Jesus always applies what to us? What's his first principle to us? Our weakness, our limitation, our wickedness. He takes mercy toward those and by the grace of his cr cross he embraces all those and he brings tolerance to us but toward the toward the evil he does not do it do so toward the evil he does not show mercy he is ruthless to the evil and he shows his ruthless power and authority of Christ. So, and as he is being applied to Paul, it is being revealed as his power and authority of apostleship. So Paul is saying he cannot tolerate the, the evil of this Corinthian church member state anymore. This is a matter of church, this is a matter of spirit and souls, and this is a matter between God and himself. So he cannot um, tolerate them anymore. He cannot leave them in that status. So until the end, until the, the, the last chapter, he is keep applying this, Jesus' death is my death. This is cross and resurrection. Without cross and resurrection, within the church, there's nothing that we can say. Excommunication is the same. Forgiving them the same. It all comes back to cross and resurrection. So within the church, all the laws, and laws and rules it should be connected to the cross and resurrection and nothing else basically fundamentally in the church you need to forgive someone you need to tolerate someone but if it, if it reaches this, this certain level of evil he will surely show his godly authority which is the power of resurrection and it applies to Paul as apostleship and he is using the authority and apostleship through excommunication. He's saying that he will no longer wait for them. In his second coming, in his second visitation to the Church of Corinth, he was ashamed 
And he applied this, this principle of cross, so he did not show anything to them. He did not apply anything to them. But now, their, their level of evil has reached a certain point that they have been rejecting Christ. So now it's time for Paul to show his authority as an apostle. So in this, in this way, uh, a pastor must show God's will clearly to a church. Are you going to wait for this church member? But if, if you cannot wait for that person anymore, you should be able to use your um, authority of excommunication or you should be able to discipline them. I believe in our church we have not applied these disciplines that many times. We have made the, we have um, banned some people to, from, from coming to the worship, worship service, Sunday service or, you know, something like that. But we have never applied um, the, you know, um, what's it called, the, the opposite word of promotion, um, demoting. We, we have never used the power, authority of demoting a person from an elder to a deacon or something like that. But in the, in the, in the old history of the early churches, there has been a laws like that that existed. Okay, let's continue. These are all the messages that I have already said during out, um, throughout throughout the conferences so um, there are, there's nothing new <laughs> so what continues what flows here is that I am carrying the death of Jesus Christ <clears throat> this is the epitome of Paul's this pinnacle of Paul's um, spirituality through his last time of his spirituality then, then how should this apply to us? We should be able to approach to the cross and resurrection at the same time. So here in verse 3, he, um, what Paul is saying is that although, although Christ has died weak on the cross, but not, unlike him, we should also be able to follow him in his great uh, strength of resurrection. Why is Paul saying this? It's because this, this opposer did not acknowledge his apostleship and his authority. Verse 4, he, Paul begins to unravel and explain. He begins to explain um, how the, the principle of the cross and resurrection. For to be sure, he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by God's power. So it's the same. Christ has been crucified in his weaknesses. The word itself, this is something that you cannot accept with your own weakness of this human mindset, this logic, logic and reason and rationality. He is a king, but how can he be still weak? But in the principle of, of truth itself, we cannot accept it by our own method and by our own mindset, own thoughts. Why? How can a God become a human being and die? How can a God suffer a tribulation? So, so in, in this worldly mindset, you cannot um, accept and receive the salvation. So, um, we can only accept this by the righteousness that He gives from above. So, when we say Christ is weak, even though we are preaching this, we cannot explain this. The only thing that we can do is to just accept it and receive this. Why? Because it's such a great, tremendous grace. Christ being weak, what does he say? 
He cannot be weak, but he's still weak. What does it mean? He cannot be weak, but he chose to become weak. That's an important. That's an importance. In Isaiah, with all glory, he's sitting at his throne, but at the same time, if, it's, if his purpose was only to save us, to send us to heaven and just forgive our sins, only thing that he needed to do was to say a word. But instead, he chose himself to wear a flesh, human body, in order to come and bring his salvation to us. So within all this, all this core message, uh, if we summarize this into two words, he has chosen us, he, he has called us and chose us. What's his calling? He has have, he have called us be, so that we can accept His grace. And because He has um, chosen us, we, are, we should live according to he, His calling. And remnants are being described as uh, sincere, those who are sincere to their callings and their, their, their um, choices, their election. And there are many people who cannot live according to their, their, their election. But then how can you live according to your election? That means you have to keep, accept the death of Jesus Christ and keep, keep, choose the holiness of God. But many people fail to do that and they, they choose the world. And when God said He elected, it should be applied to us that we should um, grab onto something in order to let go of something. So in order to uh, accept and grab God's holiness, we need to let go of the world. But what did God do? He gave up on His strength in order to choose His weakness. So, so it, it, we, if it applies to us, then we also need to choose that in order to enter his, into His glorification. This summarizes all our process of our salvation within two words, this um, calling and election. Of course, of course, election comes from an Old Testament word. As it comes to the New Testament, what it, become, what it became? It became uh, a word that is connected and related to, to the, the predestination. So here in verse 4, it's not say he's, Paul is not saying Christ himself is weak, but instead, He's just saying this event of Christ coming on this earth to wear a body of a human being in order to die. In Hebrews chapter 2, he became little less than an angel. What does that mean? He has to go through this process of death. So what's the reason why he wore wear a body of a human being? In order to become a, a model of our life, in order to experience the death, with, without wearing a body of a human being, he cannot. He could not accomplish this. So that was the reason why he he had to bear a cross. It's such a tremendous thing. Only thing that he he could do was to just say a word in order to forgive us. But instead, he chose himself to come down on this earth for the beings who he loved so much. According to Romans chapter eight. He demonstrated His love to us. He demonstrated Himself, His life to us. 
and it's written in the present tense, and he keeps showing it to us on the cross. This this event of love, he keeps demonstrating this to us. This is same thing as as the Paul's word here in Second Corinthians, carrying the death of Jesus Christ, and because he is calling us with his love. That's the reason why we are not living according to our fleshly methods. So what does that mean? Once again, uh, to, to laying down our, our fleshly uh, measurement and to choose to live according to what God wants, which is to live according to our, our spirit. So this should be embodied in, in your spirit, not to react uh, by our, our flesh. We need to understand, not to react by our flesh is connected to the victory. No matter what kind of status you are, you should not react by your flesh. And that, is, that will lead you to a victory. Weakness is victory. So in any atmosphere or condition or any manifestation that comes in front of you, that you com- confront, it will all connect it to a failure if you react by your flesh. If you react to your money and if you consider that having lots of money is a blessing to you, but if you choose that with your flesh, then it will lead you to a death eventually. So every day, you need to keep react by your spirit. Nothing that are um, reacted by the flesh can be guaranteed to us. This should be engraved in our uh, spirit deeply. Once again, do not react by the flesh. Just as Jesus has crucified by the sarks on the cross, with Him, we have been died with Him. Jesus' death is my death. We should be able to choose these weaknesses every day. All our principles of fleshly um, desire or our experience, we should let, let go of them. So our spiritual life must be um, revealed in the characteristic of renewing. So we should not get lazy into this. We should be diligent. From the days of Cain, um, this fleshly power has been uh, has come down to within our genealogy. But, but so this is so strong. But and and it can it cannot be divided so easily from us. So we must uh, continuously kill this, um, die to our fleshly desire. And how evil is the sarks of human being? Even in this millennium kingdom that they are keep looking to this um, original light, they keep choose to um, reject Jesus Christ. These, nowadays, these days, you need to open your spiritual eyes in order to see this light. But there's this, um, this, fund, this, this um, essential light in the millennial kingdom, but there are still people who betray God at the end. So this is how evil the human being Sarx is. So we should not let go of this endlessly. We have emphasized how important it is to um, actualize this power of blood of Jesus Christ in us. So in the New Testament, you should not be diligent. You should not get lazy. You should be diligent. In order to be diligent, what should you do? You should uh, set your direction correctly. If you set your direction correctly, you will not lose your speed. If you look toward, if you lose your direction, your speed will um, this, um, will slow down. Will be slowed down. Can't you guys do this one simple thing like this? 
Is even is this even difficult to you? Then you should just go into a temple or something. But going into going into a temple, they require even more difficult things to you. <laughs> Actually. So if you cannot do this one simple thing, then that's a nonsense. Just look to a bronze snake on the pole. God did not require the Israelites to go to a river and take a bath or something. He just told them to look, lift up your head and look. That was the only thing that he required. Is that, is that thing that difficult? Living with God is such an important thing. It's so easy. So he, Christ, has chose to become weak. He's a king of kings, but he chose to wear a body of a human being. And he gladly chose to die for us. Why? For the sake of salvation, sake of his life, and sake of victory. And yet he lives by God's power. So here, uh, this thing must be explained. So, a resurrection is a complete work of God. But uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ has a little different side from us, from our resurrection. And by the Holy Spirit, He never committed a sin. And because He had no sin, which is a death, fundamentally, uh, basically, His essence is to is impossible to die so because he because he had he has never committed a sin so first of all um resurrection is a complete authority and power of god but jesus himself because of the holy spirit by the by the power of the holy spirit he was resurrected and why is this important when he's when his power and blood of jesus christ and his word comes in us all the lifestyle and the method he lived is coming together within us. So what does it mean? If we live according to the Holy Spirit, we also should be able to not commit a sin or not treat the sin as a problem. Or at the same time, we always have a resolution to, to the sin. So fundamentally, when we, when we repent, When we repent, our power of resurrection must rise, must be raised within us. This power of holiness within us must uh, grow in us. So if you cannot repent, it's a horrible thing. If your blood does not circulate in you, there's, there's a problem in you. Your body starts to get damaged. All the function in your body gets weakened. The power of blood of Jesus Christ, you must repent well in order to not have a problem in your holiness. So look. When we say, yet he lives by God's power, how can we describe this once again? In Hebrews, he went through the same suffering and tribulation like us, but he did not choose to commit a sin. He did not choose sin for a single instance. When we are saying he lived according to the Holy Spirit, it means that he had never committed a sin. 
But we need to understand, to us, this calling an election is such an important issue to us. Within your spirit, no matter what kind of circumstances you are, you should be able to choose your new self in order to become victorious. So, so within this world of choices, what's the most important thing is our free will. Our free will must, must follow God. There should be no power that resists God. Sometimes there are, there are some people who have this strong power resisting God within their free will. Why? Because they have lots of bindings in them. Because they have been living not according to the Holy Spirit. Instead, they have been living according to their own, own desire and thoughts. And for example, if you look at a cell phone, if someone who has a who has a great uh, stronghold within their mindset, that stronghold must uh, create the action immediately. So we need to break down those strongholds within our mindset. Those who are living by God, um, they must have this, um, this, this time period of the interval, interval between their thoughts and their action. So if you think, if you think something, you should have an interval between the time that whether your flesh will choose and claim that thoughts or whether your spirit will claim that thought. So, um, for example, if Pastor Shinung, she, he ha has a bad thought in his mind and uh, if he instantly thinks, oh, should I, should I uh, damage him, should I, should I kill him or something, then that means he has lost, he has chosen his flesh. But if he chooses the weakness of Jesus Christ and if he carries the death of Jesus Christ, then he will be able to choose his spirit to claim that thought. So this should be applied to you in every single second. In your thoughts, uh, every every uh, aspects of your of your life, it applies to your money or your suffering and tribulation. So look, if your strongholds within your mindset grows and multiplies in you, it means that it means that your thoughts have not been filtered by uh, by your spirit, so that you just live according to your own thoughts, and it, it immediately shows, uh, be revealed through your action. So this is a horrible thing, having a stronghold within your mindset. If those people who do not have strongholds within their mindset, uh, what's the characteristic of them? They have these intervals between their actions and their thoughts. So to them, um, those things can, uh, won't be a difficulty to them. Through that interval, um, God's method will be revealed. So I always talk about this meekness, which is which is to carry, uh, which is a characteristic of carrying the death of Jesus Christ to, to pause the reaction of their flesh and to react by God's Spirit. This is more, more important than your thoughts, more than, more than your thinking. So within your day, within your day, how much are you building, constructing your strongholds within your day by just thinking to yourself? Or how much are you creating your, or allowing your spirit to react? So if you continue to react by your flesh, your, your nerves grow and it, it, it develops in you toward the world, toward the desire. But 
But if you keep react by your spirit, the nerves within you develops toward the towards the spirit, spiritual things. How am I going to be holy before God? How am I going to react toward God's direction? And toward these issues of anointing and this active activation of your spiritual gifts, if you keep living according to your spirit, then these must be naturalized. Toward the darkness, you should be able to repent. All these things are characteristics of those people who are living by the spirit. If you do so, then your functions, this this knowledge, emotion, and will uh, gets purified. But you don't have to know about this. If you just live according to the God, these these things just um, are being activated in you naturally. When these things circulate in you, it will just automatically make you holy. So if you stop doing this and allows your your uh, fleshly nerves to grow and develop in you then that that hinders your spiritual nerves to react to god so at this moment you should immediately stop uh, letting yourself to react to your flesh within your within your day you should be able to stop stop your thoughts and try to have the intervals between your thoughts and your action if you say something you need to be able to examine how many times have I um, intended to say something or, or have I stopped before Holy Spirit tells me to say something. And for my case, there has been many uh, situations for me to say something, but God stopped me from saying those things, so I reacted to Him. So I didn't do so. Because Holy Spirit was not, um, did not allow me to say it immediately, so I stopped saying those things. And and whenever someone tells you to to give you something, you should not just immediately accept it. In those cases, you should also be able to ask the Holy Spirit. And if you stop your your fleshly reaction, you should be able to uh, discern for whom am I, should I accept this or for whom does God want me to use this so that He is uh, giving this to me. And many people say uh, regarding this sensitivity, people are considering this sensitivity as a natural or, or habit, um, a natural thing from their birth, but our sensitivity is sensitivity toward the glory, not toward the darkness. Because we are seeing the glory, it naturally divides us from the darkness. Now we are being sensitive to the darkness. And if we keep look toward the glory, if we keep look toward Holy Spirit, God, Jesus Christ, and your color of your spirituality must change. So within Korean Peninsula, many people who emphasize these spiritual gifts, their spirit leaks within their spiritual discernment. And many people who emphasize their prophecy um, saw their damage within, within, within their spiritual discernment. No matter how many times you prophesy to those people who have unbelief, it does not work. 
And if you prophesy how many times, no matter how many times you prophesy to a person who is bound to the world, then he cannot fulfill the prophecy. So you need to see the glory first, but instead, because you're seeing the darkness first, that, that means that you are um, hanging out with these devils. So you should be able to become sensitive to the movement of the Holy Spirit and His precious blood. And when we say precious blood of Jesus Christ, there are some of you who are dull to this, not, who, who cannot grasp the sense of what it is to you. It's all a matter of concentration. <laughs> Only to, to get rid of this, this deep strength of our flesh is only being allowed by the repentance. So to those people who cannot believe in this, they do not believe in the blood of Jesus Christ, which is proclaiming the power of life. And they cannot show and reveal this authority of, of reviving a life. This is all matter of, of your measurement of how, how much have you reacted by your spirit. And if you live by the spirit, all the authority that God has appointed to you are being revealed. And as you dwell indwell in the presence of God, this scale enlarges, it, it widens. No matter where you are at, if you are being put in the middle of China, mainland China or in India, it does not matter. God's presence will be revealed strongly through them. So if you guys keep um, die to yourself and carry the death of Jesus Christ, you need to understand how important this is. And you should be able to uh, acknowledge how easy is this. Only thing you need to do is just to believe that He has died for us and just allowing Him to, uh, uh, letting Him to have a chance and stop our thinking. Let's move on. So, likewise, we are weak in Him. And just as Jesus has chosen His weakness at cross, and what does it mean we are we are weak in Him. That means we have died in Him, just like Him. Keep carrying the death of Jesus Christ must continue in our faith. Then, then our fleshly reaction will decrease dramatically, drastically. And you will feel this. So, so spiritual gifts, when we say spiritual gifts, if an, if an anointing is, is strong, then spiritual gifts are being opened immediately, automatically. But what's, what strengthens the spiritual gift? It's, uh, it's being strengthened only by the holiness. So even if your spiritual gift has been opened due to the strong anointing, it can be weakened if you do not live according to the holiness, if you do not carry the death of Jesus Christ. And if you keep carrying the death of Jesus Christ, the fruits of the Holy Spirit will, will, um, will be fruited in you. And the Holy Spirit will, will unite in my person. So what's the character of those people? 
they will not focus on the spiritual gifts itself, but instead a person of spirit, Holy Spirit himself. So they will be like, um, oh, I have limited the will of Holy Spirit. Oh, I have not allowed Holy Spirit to work enough. So they are the people who are being able to have this personal relationship between Holy Spirit. And how intimate should we be? We should be more intimate than our, our spouses. He can, he's making jokes about um, Korean husbands um, being, being not sensitive to their, their wives, not considering what, what their wives like, what they, what they want to do, what they're feeling. Okay, let's continue. So, likewise, we are weak in Him, yet by God's power we will live with Him in our dealing with you. It means that Paul, he is re-emphasizing that he will use his apostleship. He said uh, the time that he has tolerated for them has passed, so now it's time for him to use his authority of apostle so that he can um, make the church normal back again. Let's move to verse 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. So here, ultimately, Paul is saying once again, it's not a matter of Paul himself. Because these, these false teachers did not acknowledge that the matters, the problems are upon them. So Paul is saying, you, you have problems, so examine yourselves. This is the, the matter that, that we need to stack this, this trust relationship between God. Without having a trust between God, uh, having a trust God, you will begin to have doubts toward the circumstances that you confront. So for example, to myself, within these 32 years of my ministry, nobody has acknowledged me and people accused me as a heretic. And then it's natural for me to get be shaken by this, right? And frankly speaking, in my life, my life... Uh, if my life was prosperous and all these spiritual gifts had, I mean, all these things are being um, revealed very well, then, then I probably have comforted myself by that. But, but the reason why I was able to endure all this hour was completely by the grace of God. But within, within the grace of God, I had, it was only um, able because I had this trust relationship with Him. And whenever I pray to him, God told me, uh, my servant, you are right. You are right. And I lived all my life reacting by my spirit. I built this trust relationship between God. And there are so many reasons that we need to live according to our spirit. But one of them is to build trust between God. So that's the reason why our spiritual relationship is important. And those people who have this sound and firm spiritual relationship, no matter what kind of circumstances they are at, they will not be shaken. Like who? Like Moses. What's the trust relationship between Moses and God? Be before the Red Sea, before the Red Sea, he was not, he was not being shaken because of his um, complete relationship between God. 
Moses was not being shaken. Why? Because he had a trust relationship between God. Especially you guys are the leaders of the church. So to the leaders, you should have this firm and strong trust relationship with God. And what's the key point of building this trust relationship is to live by the Spirit. When we say our pastorship, our ministry of pastor is not being well, then we can be shaken. And if we are being shaken, we cannot go to the direction that God wants us to. So to the leaders, not being shaken and have the trust relationship between God is such an important thing. So no matter what kind of circumstances comes, what kind of issues happens, it does not matter. If this trust relationship falls down, then that's an alert. So look, so here Paul, even though Paul had this, Paul is confronting the strong forces of 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 opposers in the Corinthian church. He never a single time doubted his calling to as an apostle to the Corinthian church. He never doubted a single time. Instead, Paul is insisting. Insist, Paul was insisting, "Hey, God called me. If you stand next to me, that then then that's an evidence that you have faith." And yesterday we talked about his thorns. Even though he had this this tremendous thorns to him. And when, when God said, I will allow you the grace to overcome the thorns, then a normal person would, would react like, oh, but God still, uh, can you get rid of this thorn? But instead, Paul, Paul, Paul said immediately, he meant to God, and he chose to a normal person. If, someone, if, God, told, if God tells someone that um, even, though, even though you don't have money, I will... I will allow you to not have problems with your poverty, then would, would it be easy for the person to react immediately by amen? No. But to Paul, to Paul, God said, I will provide you greater amount of grace that can cover, cover and embrace your thorn. And when God says, when God says, He, he will um, provide greater grace that can cover and embrace the thorn, uh, Paul did not doubt what he would do. He trusted and he said yes. Because he trusted Him. Because God is a person. You should not serve God as an idol. Just as Holy Spirit is a person, this triumph God is within their personal relationship. And within the relationship between him, uh, between them, I would say, we should have this trust relationship between them. So this complete trust relationship between him um, leads you to not be shaken in front of any circumstances. No matter a king of Babylon comes in front of you and says something, you just do whatever you want God to do through you. If you have to go into the den of lion, then that doesn't matter to Daniel. This is how much you should have uh, the trust relationship between God if you are a servant of God. And if you fail to do, build this relationship, then that's an alert. 
And as I as I have been insisted up until now, this trust relationship, trust relationship is only being built by living according to your spirit. So, so more than anyone else, our our servants must be sensitive to the lifestyle to react by reacting by our our spirit to the servants of God. There's no need for us to experience these problems by problems by the spirit, by I mean, by the people, by the money, by the material, anything like that. No matter what kind of circumstance come, what kind of suffering comes, if you trust God, then if you believe that it will lead you to glory, then that will no longer become a problem to you. And Paul was sure and bold. Paul was bold in in his his claim. Where where did this boldness come from? Between uh, the from his relationship between God. You should also have this boldness too. So within your relationship to your church members, to your church members, surely, um, myself in in my 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 example, some people come to me and say, "God said this to me." Then how would I react to them? How would I react to them? There are not many of them who are now coming to me and say, "God told me this, this and that." Then, then I would react. Well, God did not tell that to me. I surely say that to him. In Yeolbang Church, if God says to you before He tells me something, then you should be become a senior pastor instead of me. That's my that's my trust. That's my boldness. Well, if if that's If that's so, if that's true, then do it. Do it as your will. So within these 32 years of my my religious life, God has done everything. God told me everything to me first in order to fulfill according to according to His will in this church. I'm I'm talking about these these um church issues, not the personal matters. These church matters. And think about it. Would God tell someone else before He tells me something to make a decision within this church? No. Not a single, not a single time. This is trust between God. At least, at least as I was ministering this church, God never hid a single thing from me and tells something to other person in order to build something in this church and make a decision in this church. So this is a uh, um, result of living according to your spirit. I'm not. Um, I'm not just bragging this. I'm not boasting this. But because I have been living according to my spirit, according to the spirit, so that uh, God built everything up until this point. And I can't. And I have because I have this trust between God. Uh, I need to have God's answer for my prayer. I have never allowed a single prayer to just pass by without receiving God's God's uh, response. This is trust between God and myself. Whenever I pray, I believe that God will in any way react to me, respond to me. And if He asks me to keep praying, then He I will keep praying. And if He responded me, if He responds me by something, then then I will uh, just receive the answer. Just like that, Paul completely relied on God. So if he, if God does not answer to him, 
then he will not choose anything else. And in the matter of his thorns, Paul re, uh, received God's answer not to ask to, to get rid of the thorns once ever again. So Paul stopped asking to remove the thorns. Verse 5, test yourselves and whether you are in faith. This word is in, in Greek, tokimazo. Paul is saying, within your eyes, there are so many contaminated things. So examine yourself. Do not try to find problems within me. Would Paul ever say these kind of things to those people who do not have problems? No. So, so the pastors must not compromise within these issues to those problematic people in your church. So let's move on. Verse 5. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? So here, Paul is saying you have no relationship between God. So Paul here, Paul here is saying you have failed the test to the, to the opposers because you are not within this relationship with the Christ and you have not, you don't have faith and you have been mixed and contaminated. So the pastors are servants to, to things that you, you should not react to. You should be able to uh, have this strict standard. To, to whom would God tell about the, this matter of the church without telling you the first? So this, this dominion and authority must not be transferred from anyone, uh, from, from pastor to anyone within the church. Not hearing? Paul was clear in this matter. Are you hearing? No? Um, test, test, good? No? Still not hearing? Um, how about now? Good? Okay. So Paul keeps saying, I myself is the only spiritual father to you. And it's not Paul's, um, Paul's self-claim, but, but it's God's calling toward Paul. So as a pastor, you should have this confirmation that God has called you as a king. And if your calling is being shaken, then your sheep will suffer. Because this king has called me, so your calling must not be shaken. And if you do not put this absolute um, trust to the calling, then that leads you into the shaking of your truth. These are all connected, this, this absolute trust within your, within your calling. So within, within your pastor ministry, What's most important is to understand and keep acknowledging yourself who has called me to this ministry. Jesus, God has chosen me in order to become a channel of grace uh, from the head of the church to the church. 
So God will never, God has no need to let anyone else to know about this church matter before letting you know. Because Jesus is the head of the church, um, He always told, told the You know, for in the example of Moses, he always told God always told Moses the first in order to make decision within the Israelites. This is the order, spiritual order. So it's like this: if there's there's a pastor like who is very democratic, uh, having having um, conversation within the church members. In some points, there he relies on relies on. church members and saying oh what's good is good and saying oh, our church has good atmosphere that's a clear misunderstanding that he is clearly killing his own church members a church shall not go like that in democratic way church must be built in a right or spiritual order under this commandment of Uh, the head of the church, which is Jesus Christ, so that these sheep are sheep can sheep can be in peace within the dominion flows the love. If your head is being divided from your body, how can love flow within? So to all all our pastors, I know I understand that you have already confirmed this. But if there's any of you who haven't confirmed your your calling, then you must confirm this at any cost. I have served our pastors for many years, but many of many people say um, say that the the talent of the pastors are so important. But that doesn't matter. Who called you? Who called you? And the faith that the King of Kings have chosen you it determines everything. If this is being shaken, then you cannot guarantee your your ministry. Paul is keep emphasizing this throughout this this last chapter, verse 7. Now we pray to God that you will not do anything wrong. So Paul is saying his purpose toward the Corinthian church is to fulfill God's holiness, and he said, not so that people will see that we have stood the test, so that you will do what is right, even though we may seem to be failed. And it was not because Paul wanted to be acknowledged by the people, but it's because he wanted to be acknowledged in his apostleship in order to to build the spiritual order correctly within the Church of Corinth. So look, in, in if you have been called to to the Church of God, and if you are leader in the church, there's no need for you to strive to show that you are right. God will surely reveal that you are right. If you don't have this sort of trusted relationship between God, then you you cannot do you cannot do the pastor relationship. Within this story of Aaron and Miriam toward Moses, who made a mistake? Who did it wrong? It was Moses. But who did God punish Aaron and Miriam? If God um allowed Aaron and Miriam, then he. he Is, he himself is is uh, making Moses' order to fall down. So, so instead, he made Aaron and Miriam to repent before God, in order to 
build the spiritual order right. So you, you servants, if your relationship is right between God, He will show and reveal, uh, He'll build His uh, personal relationship between you and and within within any um, normally in many ways god will not use his use darkness to to domain over me because i have this personal relationship with him if your personal rela relationship grows in you then your um, relationship will grow beautifully so let's continue in verse 7 not so that people will see that we have stood the test, but so that you will do right, even though we may seem to have failed. So if church succeed, then no matter what your personal status is, it does not matter. Paul is, that's what Paul is saying. Paul's personal benefit does not matter here. If God works within his church, that's all that matters to the Paul. This is how much we should also love the church of God church is something that has um, been paid by the price of his precious blood let's continue verse 8 for we cannot do anything against the truth but only for the truth when Paul said against the truth it contains many meanings it contains the same meaning as against the Holy Spirit against God's will against God's glory. So when he said against the truth, it means everything. Against God's kingdom. So if, if I see this kind of verse, I, I confess to myself, is this even possible to confess like this? Against the truth? How great should we be in order to confess like this? What's the truth here? It's the belief of weakness. So now, the life to react by the flesh is impossible to Paul. How much have his lifestyle of carrying the death of Jesus Christ is... How great is that? So that he cannot now no longer react by his flesh. So it's so natural for him. To Paul, Paul is not saying the matter of the action or deeds. He's not saying that I can, I'm a person who cannot do any action that goes against the truth. But instead, he's saying, I became a person who cannot react by my flesh, which means I have become a person who reacts only by my new self. But does that, mean that, does that mean that he has no chance to commit a sin? No, but he can immediately repent. If your old self grows in you, what happens? Um, it hinders you from repent. Why? Because you cannot um, you cannot diagnose your, your sin. But if you live according to truth and if you live every single moment by your new, new self, all the possibilities of to repent uh, comes automatically within you. So look, in your day, how many have you repented to all the moments that you have um, made a frown face or, or a bad expression? So if your amount of time in your day that you have reacted by your old self grows in you, then, then the, the more chance grows within you that you cannot repent. How fearful is this? When, he said, when Paul says against the truth, that means he has now become a status that he cannot live according to his old self. 
And even if he lived by all self, the blood of Jesus Christ in him uh, reacts immediately so that he, he will be able to repent immediately. But to the ones who are not like him, uh, within their conscience, the, the stains of sin are attached so many, uh, a lot. If you keep committing these habitual sins, that means that um, this record of sin within your conscience is not being deleted yet. Has not been deleted yet. If you do not solve this this list of sin, then you you must stand before this this throne of judgment, and you cannot uh, join this wedding of the the little lamb of the lamb. Anyways, um, so continuously you need to you need to die to your flesh. If you if you grow your amount to react by your spirit, then when sin comes, you should be able to react immediately by repentance. Why? Because you have been sensitive to, to the light and the darkness. So if a single stain comes to you, you should be able to see, and, uh, see that and be reacted to that. To David. I said many times of this story of David. At that time, in the Middle Age, uh, just just uh, taking taking a woman for a king, it was not a single problem during the, the historical um, uh, context. And because it was David who was a king, um, it was a very honorable thing for his servant Uriah to to kill himself it was an honorable thing but why did why did david reacted and repented before god and understood uh, that it was such a great sin because he, because of his relationship between god that's why god loved david so much so if your lifetime the, the amount of time that you live according to your own self lengthens in you you will begin to experience of impossibility of repentance if your immorality are be, is being embodied in you your action of immorality will will no longer be be diagnosed by you if you keep live according to your own thoughts, your strongholds within your mindset will hinder you from sense this flow of Holy Spirit, which will hinder you from repentance. To those people, I'm sorry for you guys, but these great lists of sin are being written in your conscience, so it will break your good heart. Why? Because this logic and theory keep works within you. And if it corrupts your mindset, what, what it makes? It will hinder you to have a pure faith. So all these three channels are being shut. So that's an issue of love too. You cannot receive love. And it, it, it continues to the matter of meeting God. So if you live according to your flesh, that gives you no benefit at all. So at most... Shorter, the shorter you live according to your flesh, what's the evidence that your your repentance lengthens and you, your uh, frequency of repenting grows? In in Psalms, how Paul, how did Paul repent well? He repented so well that he his repentance was in the level that was nearly impossible for an Old Testament person to do. He confessed that he confessed that he is seeing a sin being alive in front of him and standing in front of him. 
if you if you live according to your flesh, you cannot see and diagnose the sin. But because David has been keep killing his fleshly desires, that he was able to see the sin as a living being in front of him, it's standing in front of him and building how strong strength and force it draws to him. This is the greatness of David. So against the truth in verse 8 here is not a simple confession. He's not talking about this matter of action or deeds. But if you react to the react by the spirit, this is possible. Then you will realize, "Oh, I am limiting the Holy Spirit right now." You will immediately um, understand this if you live by the spirit. Oh, Holy Spirit does not like this. He's being sad to this. Then you will begin to know and understand what is this uh, this agony of Holy Spirit is. And if you, because you are hearing this agony of Holy Spirit, you will be able to repent. You just have this kind of sensitivity to the holiness. So living by the Holy living by the Spirit will. Um, Helps you be prevent prevent um, your spirit to be hardened. So you should be diligent to to kill your fleshly desire and react by your spirit. So Paul, through his confession, he's showing this evidence that he was at that stage. Without the truth, against the truth, he cannot do anything. And here, but only for the truth, which means he, the truth is being circulating within him. And because he, he reacted by his spirit, the, the function of the Holy of Holies within him is keeping circulating with him. Understanding that Holy Spirit is flowing within him, this power of blood of Jesus Christ is flowing within him. Just like Philippians, To consider everything as feces and never mind. Um, not only Paul, all those people who Holy Spirit indwells must have these as a principles of their life. Without truth, what can we do? Isn't this a common sense? But what hinders this is to react by flesh. So living by the truth will automatically allow you to immediately react by the repentance. Our goal is to not to be forgive our sin, but to ultimately be, uh, delete all the sin and even to take away the strength of sin within us and keep, um, revive the strength of the new self in us. If our fleshly power grows in us it's so difficult to live with God even it makes it impossible to live with God why can't you pray because your your old self is so strong in you you should be able to penetrate the sky the heaven verse 9 verse 9 we are glad whenever we are weak but we but you are strong here whenever we are weak it means that you we have been ashamed even though 
even though he was ashamed, Paul, even uh, if 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 he sees that they are fooled with this power, a life of resurrection, then he's satisfied with it, even though he is ashamed. So Paul is not claiming his own honor. He, all he wants is for the church to become holy. So all our Zoe Ministry churches, what's our goal? To have the church holy. We need to understand that church is not an organization. It belongs to God. And if it's an eternal church, this is a matter of our, our um, uh, pastoral doctrine or our personal theology or, or philosophy. It all matters. And we need to put our life to the holiness. If the pastor does not put his life on the holiness, how can he minister his God's church? And never a single time forget that you are a holy of holy, that this, this power and authority and his, uh, he, his magnificent presence indwells within me. Verse 10. This is why I write these things when I am absent, that when I come, I may not have to be harsh in my use of authority. So she's saying, when I'm, the reason why I'm writing this letter to you is to avoid me to crush you. So fundamentally, Paul himself, he does not enjoy using his authority of an apostle. As a spiritual father, he loves, he tolerates the, the church members but lastly in verse 11 finally brothers and sisters rejoice we're now about to finish this long journey of three months and a half anyways finally brothers and sisters up until verse 10 Paul was harsh on, on Corinthian church members but now all of a sudden he's now saying telling them to rejoice why? When Paul is talking about repentance, he is making a pre-assumption that happiness must come, the joy must come. So what's the reason why Paul was telling them, brothers and sisters? Because they, they share the same burden and yokes of this holiness of Jesus Christ in the church. So it's simple. If you repent and come back within this holiness of the church, then we are now once again family of, of God. This is the image of the people who are living by God. Strive for full restoration. So here, within Philippians or within different uh, letters, he, Paul did not use these kind of voices. When he says strive for full restoration, he wants them to um, strive, uh, but instead, uh, anyways, encourage one another. Here, uh, up until now, Paul was um, scolding these, these church members, but now he's saying encourage, because after the repentance, God's comfort will come. Now, within their division and their hearts, now they need to unite and they, they need to become united as one spirit, one heart, and one, one purpose and one love. And then he says, live in peace and the God of love and peace will be with you. So God of love and peace will be with them and receive that fact that God of love and peace will be with them. It applies to you guys the same. We all need to receive this too. Greet one another with a holy kiss. It means a greeting. 
and it also emphasized the matter of holiness. Verse 12, uh, verse 13, all God's people here send their greetings. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. God allowed us such a tremendous grace throughout 2 Corinthians. I believe that I will either preach on Hosea or Amos in the next pastor's conference. Of course, um, because God has His will on preaching within those messages. But I, I encourage you guys, when you guys return, return home, return to your church, keep activating this truth within your church. I say this once again. Do not be oppressed. If you are being oppressed, if you are suffering, just come out immediately. Come to our church and call, call me and ask for help. Then our, our, our associate pastors will go there. All these years, God has, invest, God has invested lots of materials, lots of spirit to, to give you guys grace. But... But if you fail to sustain this grace, then how painful would God be? Right? So now, Amen. Let's pray for a while and let's, let's go back home. Let's sing this, this um, anthem, the theme song of Second Corinthians and let's return home. Living Father God, we thank you. Everything was God's grace. We believe you only are the one who should be praised and glorified. To all the church members within the Zoe ministry, let this grace be activated. All this authority of a king must grow within them and within their life, life all their places. Let all this victory be proclaimed through them. All the anointing, let this be enlarged and strengthened until May so that we will reunite it within this strong, uh, strong anointing. And keep protecting your beloved servants. Hold upon them. Father, do not let them return to their old status. Father, bless them.